Hello there. This is the Crunchy Christian Podcast, a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. I am a master herbalist, aromatherapist, author, speaker, blogger, and veteran homeschooling mama of four. You can learn more about how I can equip you to pursue God's best naturally at my website, julienaturally.com. And now, today's show. Hey, it's Julie, and welcome to Crunchy Christian Podcast, where we talk about all things green and growing that God gave us. So today, I'm so glad to be back after a little break. We are going to be talking about easy tips for how to help PMS symptoms improve. And we're going to be starting a little series about women's health. So be sure to to subscribe and follow as we go through this series. So today we're starting with PMS. Now, a lot of women deal with PMS. This has been an issue, an ongoing issue for a long time with women. And uh, a lot of times we like to turn to over-the-counter medications and things to deal with it. Uh, But we're going to start out with a little bit of, well, what are, what, what is estrogen? What are hormones? What is estrogen? What's causing the PMS in the first place? So we have a better understanding of how to help our bodies. And then we'll get into these easy tips. So let's get started. First of all, hormones are like these little little components, little chemicals of the human body that is kind of working behind the scenes. So they're like little messengers, little catalysts that make things happen. You don't have to think about it, obviously. Your body's just kind of doing its thing. But they they make things happen all over your body. They're made in specific organs. They're made in like the pituitary gland. They're made in the adrenal glands. They're made in your sex organs. So like the ovaries or the testes of the human body. So they're made in in those kinds of places, uh, part of the um, hormone system. And then they're sent to other places in your body to make things happen, like I said. So estrogen is made mostly in your ovaries and... It is also made in your fat cells. Um, So that's going to come into play a little bit later as we talk about some of the imbalances and some ways that we can help ourselves with this. So yes, um, it also can play a role in menopause and why women tend to put on a little bit of weight during menopause. So um, you could probably guess um, because of that. Uh, it controls the menstrual cycle, but it also controls some other things besides just puberty and pregnancy and sort of the monthly, the monthly cycles. It also influences weight, uh, your cardiovascular health, so your heart and your blood vessels and things and cholesterol levels. It can affect uh, your brain and how you're able to think uh, and your memory 
and things like that. And it also has some effect on some other body organs in a more minor way. It also protects you from certain health issues such as bone loss. So it does affect the strength of your bones as you age. And that's why when women get older and they produce less estrogen, that it can sometimes be a problem. Now, as you might imagine, because of a woman's life cycle and how, you know, when you're a little girl, you know, the estrogen levels are kind of at a lower level, except in the very early part of life when um, the body is sort of being set as male and female. The body uh, releases a lot of hormones, especially in boys, right after birth and um, just, you know, before birth, but especially right after birth that sort of sets them up to develop that way. And of course, if there are disruptions to that process, there can be some problems. But so other than that, very early in life, setting uh, the body to develop a certain way, then when puberty comes, of course, a girl develops into a woman and menses starts and all of that. And then things go along for a while, right? And there's pregnancy and then there's menopause. So estrogen plays a huge role in that whole development and change and the different life stages. And it, you know, they the estrogen levels can rise and fall at different times in life. So of course, as I said, when they're when you're a little girl, it's pretty low, then it it really spikes during puberty and then it kind of settles into a, a a just a level. It's obviously higher than a little girl, but um, a higher level of estrogen throughout most of adult life and then it tapers off during um, a woman's late 40s, um, which actually starts in her early 40s and sometimes late 30s. Uh, So it's wise to be mindful of that when you're planning a family. Then sometimes if a woman is uh, looking to have hormone replacement therapy or have superficially high levels of estrogen, sometimes women tend to run high in estrogen through uh, other times of their life. It makes them a little bit more susceptible to cancers, particularly breast cancer. But uh, to be honest, breast cancer is not the biggest risk to women. It's actually heart disease. There are more women who suffer and die from heart disease issues uh, as the hormones drop off than from breast cancer. So keep that in mind because remember I said estrogen affects the cardiovascular system as well. So that is something that isn't always talked about because the emphasis is always on, you know, breast cancer risk, breast cancer risk. Um, but it, your, your risk is actually higher for heart disease. So keep that in mind. So how do these hormones get out of wax? You're producing the estrogen. It's controlling life cycle events that are pretty automatic. How does that get all out of balance? It's produced in the ovaries and fat cells. 
And estrogen does have an influence on the pituitary gland, which releases the follicle-stimulating hormones that cause the ovaries to um, you know, release eggs and develop the eggs and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so there's an interplay of different organs and different hormones, um, which is important to understand because sometimes if one of the other organs isn't quite working correctly, it can cause an imbalance. How do, you, how do you know if you have an imbalance, first of all? And then we'll talk about what can contribute to why you might have that imbalance. So how do you know you have an imbalance? Well, PMS does indicate that there's an imbalance, right? So some of those symptoms are tenderness in the breast, changes in the menstrual cycle, like it's really heavy or really light, or it's coming much more frequently than usual, or... Um, just very painful uh, menstrual cycles, lots and lots of cramping. If there's a lot of waking, sometimes you know you uh, experience some changes in uh, desire. You um, you can have mood swings. You know, feeling that depressed and discouraged or really irritable around that time of the month. Of course. Most of us women are pretty familiar with what the PMS symptoms are, but sometimes we can mistake them for other things. And sometimes it's not PMS. Sometimes it can be something much more serious, uh, particularly if we're having a lot of tenderness around our lower abdomen. There could be tumors there you know, ovarian cysts and things like that. There could be endometriosis. We want to be mindful of that. Like, is it really PMS or is there something more serious going on? Uh, And that's why we're talking about these symptoms. So it can kind of help you see, well, is it a cyclical thing or is this something that I'm having a lot? Um, Because I did know a woman who she ended up having baseball-sized tumors on her ovaries, and she thought that she was just getting her period like extra frequently, and that she that she was just getting really bad PMS, but her periods are coming more frequently. If there's changes like that, all of a sudden, um, it may not be PMS. So please see your doctor and find out what's going on. But for regular PMS, um, you know, you can experience some of those other changes. Just once a month, you know, you're feeling really down and irritable, feeling like bloated. Um, maybe you're having a little trouble sleeping, those kinds of things. Um, that tends to be an imbalance that is causing the PMS. Now, how do you get that imbalance? Well, Oh, some some of these things you may not have heard of before and because you're like, well, I eat healthy. I don't, you know, I, I'm not overweight. I'm eating fairly healthy, but yet I still have problems around that time of the month. Well, there, there are some chemicals that are in food, in the water, in the soil uh, that are estrogen uh, mimickers. And um, if you cook your food in plastic... Uh, like in the microwave, for example, or you store your food in plastics and then you kind of warm it up, Um, the plastic can leach into the food and the plastic acts as an estrogen mimicker and can 
cause you to have extra estrogen. Sometimes um, you may think you're eating really healthy, but there's extra additives, pesticides, artificial colors and flavors, and other types of chemicals in the food uh, that also acts as estrogen mimickers. So it disrupts the estrogen in the body. It acts like an estrogen in the body. And it can cause real problems and create an imbalance. So check the labels on your food if you're buying things in boxes and cans uh, and make sure uh, that that's not a source. It's, it's more challenging with water, you know, but if you are getting filtered water, that definitely helps. And tr- don't heat your food up with plastic or and don't don't heat up your baby's bottles in plastic either uh, because the plastic leaches. So those that's some ways you can get it and not really know that you're getting it. Some other things would be like changes in weight, things like obesity or anorexia. So it's not it's not just being overweight, but it can also be extremely underweight. So if you're not at a good weight, uh, it can that can that can be a factor because remember I said that fat cells produce estrogen. Uh, so if you have a lot of excess fat cells, you're getting a lot of excess estrogen. But on the other hand, those hormones are made from fat. Um, obviously, I mean, if fat cells are producing the hormone, then it's made from fat. So if you don't have enough fat in your body, that can also be a problem, and that's part of the reason why extreme athletes, people who really like have a lot of strenuous training, like Olympic athletes sometimes, sometimes they don't have cycles and sometimes they, um, they can develop some hormonal imbalances because of their training. They don't have enough fat in their body to produce hormones. And, um, you know, sometimes can have issues with fertility because of that too. So as I mentioned, the strenuous exercise and some medications can actually cause estrogen imbalances. So talk to your doctor if you're on medications, talk to them and find out some of those side effects because uh, there can be problems there. And they also can cause some vitamin deficiencies that are precursors to producing those hormones uh, and are also precursors to producing feel good hormones and you know and that and that can play a, a role as well in PMS symptoms. Uh, one thing I, I know of is that birth control pills can cause a deficiency of B vitamins, the B very B vitamins that can help you to feel how good um, and that are needed for the production of various uh, neurotransmitters and hormones that help you to feel good. So it can actually worsen your PMS symptoms in that way. So um, in addition to the medications, you could also uh, suffer hormonal imbalances because of high blood pressure or diabetes. And some health conditions that I was talking about a little bit before, PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, ovarian tumors, and an underactive pituitary gland. And that's because those organs are intimately involved in the production of estrogen and other hormones that affect the menstrual cycle. And 
So we want to make sure that we are checking about that and finding out if, well, maybe some of those kinds of health conditions are the underlying reason for the PMS symptoms. So we want to check on that. It's important to maintain a healthy weight. And that's the first, we're going to get into our tips now, our easy easy tips for how to help PMS. So the first is maintaining a healthy weight. Uh, Remember I said obesity and anorexia are both problems. So we need to kind of have a healthy medium in the middle and it's a healthy body image. Like sometimes we are really harsh on ourselves as women and uh, it helps to look at what is a healthy body weight, a healthy body mass index for your height and uh, bone structure. And that will give you a more realistic perspective of what is is really good for you. Um, not what other people say, not what the little voice in your mind is saying, uh, and not comparing yourself to others, but rather what feels good to you? What weight feels feels healthy? And also what, what do doctors say is a healthy weight? That's a good place to start uh, because they have looked at thousands and thousands of women to see, to be able to kind of shuffle out what is, what is healthy. So that's just a good place to start with. And then also kind of looking at, well, what within those reasonable parameters, what feels good to you? Because some people feel a little bit better on the higher end of normal, and some people feel better on the lower end of normal or slightly below, and that's okay. Just we want to have a healthy body weight. And we don't get the healthy body weight by starving ourselves or by stuffing ourselves with ice cream and chips, right? So we want to make sure that we're eating healthy foods. So the first tip is healthy weight. And the second is, how do we get that healthy weight? It's with healthy food. So uh, we want to make sure that we're eating an appropriate amount of proteins, fats, and carbs, and the right kind of fats and carbs, I do not advocate a vegan diet. I I know some people are going to be mad at me about that, but I do not advocate a vegan diet because they're just vitamins and pro, pro vitamins and minerals that you can only get from meat. So if you would prefer to have fish or chicken, great. But a healthy diet with the appropriate amounts of proteins, fats, and carbs, and usually. Proteins should be about 15%. Some people need closer to 20%. Some people can get by on a little bit less, but it usually is around that amount. And then carbs and fats, as it, you usually need more fat than what people say. But um, take try things with yourself and see how you feel with different amounts of those things and see. But these particular foods will be especially helpful because they tend to have a little bit of a phytoestrogen effect. They, so they have a little bit of a phytoestrogen effect and they are healthy foods. So pay attention to cruciferous vegetables, berries and fruits, 
nuts and seeds. And all of the dried beans, um, I'm not talking about green beans, I'm talking about like kidney beans, soybeans, navy beans, those kinds of things, uh, have some phytoestrogen effect. However, soy has the highest amount and I would be very careful about using that because it can create an imbalance and with small children, I never I advise that you never give soy to small children because it can um, mess with their natural hormone levels, especially boys. But menopausal women can experience a lot more benefit perhaps from soy. So just be mindful of that and don't make it a regular part of your meal with soy. Another tip is to consider going gluten-free. Some people have a lot of bloating and they have a lot of inflammation and they even get depressed because gluten causes, it causes inflammation for them and it can disturb their gut flora and cause problems down there. Now, the serotonin, which is a neurotransmitter and a hormone that it gives you those feel-good feelings. It helps you to feel happy. And it's 95% of that is made by the bacteria in your gut. So having healthy gut flora is really important to having those good feelings. So getting rid of the gluten may help you with that, as well as taking some probiotics. So getting some good balance with your gut flora uh, might help with the mood swings and the challenges with sleep and uh, feeling bloated uh, and also perhaps with some of the weight gain. So take a look at that. That's another tip. And the last thing I'm going to suggest is with gentle exercise. So some people are able to do more exercise than others, but it doesn't have to be going to the gym. It could be simply going out for a walk every day with your kids. It can be um, putting on some music and dancing with your kids. It can be you know, going out and doing some climbing around on the jungle gym kind of stuff at the park with your kids. So it can be a natural part of your life with children. It doesn't have to be something that's completely separate and all of that. Uh, but getting your body moving will help with the weight uh, maintenance. And it also just gets the lymph moving, the blood moving. It helps everything circulate a lot better. And getting out and exercising it has been shown to help a lot with moods. So um, doing those things can really help. And I would also just advocate for a lot of prayer and self-care. It's amazing how far a little self-care can go in just improving everything. So doing this soak with the Epsom salts in the bath, spending some time in prayer and reading and, get, you know, get a little candles going, you know, Take yourself out for a little facial. If you if that's uh, out of reach for you, then, you know, getting some nice products that you can do for yourself at home. Uh, teach your older daughter, if you have one, to help you out with that. And just kind of pamper yourself sometimes. Many other cultures during the time of, uh, they call it the moon time for some cultures, 
uh, it's very special. And all of the women are caring for each other and, and just honoring themselves as women. And I think that's really important to do because it, it acknowledges your special needs and your body as something that uh, is, is special, is sacred, is created by God to carry life and to honor that and to treat yourself sometimes can help you to just feel better about your body and yourself and that time of the month in general. So I would definitely recommend that. And if you want to know more natural tips about how to help PMS, grab the email series that has 10 herbs for women and you'll also have the opportunity to to get vitamins, a, a little report on vitamins and minerals for women, and just learn more. So I would definitely recommend grabbing that. And that's all for today. Please join us in two weeks for the next podcast on women's health. And be sure to follow me on Facebook at Julie Naturally or on Instagram at julie.naturally. Thank you so much for joining me and God bless. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Show notes for today's broadcast can be found at crunchychristianpodcast.com. Hit the subscribe button now so you can join me next week. Until then, remember all you need is God, people, and growing things. God bless.